Welcome to The Greatest Day Podcast. My name is Craig Smith, your host and the creator of The Greatest Day Mindset. This podcast is all about helping you gain the tools and the insights you need to shift your focus in life and begin living each day to the fullest. The Greatest Day Mindset is a lifestyle. It's a way of living each and every day with a positive attitude. It's choosing to be happy and live life with energy, no matter your current situation or circumstances in life. Today truly is the only day you and I have to live, shape, and create who it is we want to become. So choose to make today the greatest day of your life. I am really excited to be back on the podcast. It has been three weeks since I did an episode and it's a bit longer than what I was hoping to start the year with. Um, and here's why. We're going to talk about it today. But I want to start with a quote. And it says, risk must be taken. If you are not willing to risk, you cannot grow. The greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing, does nothing, is nothing, and has nothing. They may avoid suffering and sorrow, but they cannot learn, feel, change, grow, love, and live. I heard that from Les Brown, who is um, one of the greatest motivational speakers ever. And it's powerful and it's applicable to my life right now because I don't think I've ever really talked a whole lot about just me personally on here um and just what my life kind of looks like and you know what what kind of things i'm up to so let me tell you guys a little bit about that because it's going to apply to this idea of risks taking risks stepping into and through this fear of failure and rejection and hearing the word no um and all these things we have so i made a pretty big decision um, I made it official anyway. I've I've been making this decision um, over the last six months, I think, if I could really date it back. Um, I don't know for sure when, but here's the thing. For those who don't know me um, or just joining the, um, the podcast today for the first time or you, you're back after a while, thank you, first of all, for being here. Um, so I'm a clinical therapist professionally by training. I work at the University of Utah Hospital during the day. That's my nine to five. And I do family support and client support. Um, I get to use my clinical skills and, you know, be in a role of a therapist and an advocate up there. And then um, I leave that place. And then three nights a week, right now anyway, I come to my private practice where I get to work with individuals and couples um, in a variety of you know ways, just on their goals they've got. <clears throat> so whether that's you know working on, I do a lot of premarital counseling, marriage work, um, individuals, you know, mental health stuff, depression, anxiety, individual goals that they have, trying to pursue career-wise, professional motivation type stuff. Anyway, that's what I get to do, and. I have always had this calling and desire towards the marriage, the marital work. 
Um, it's, it's part of my upbringing where I got that first passion. I picked up a book in my undergraduate years <clears throat> about children of divorce and I wanted to attack that. That's always been my passion and my goal is to attack the divorce rate and these negative effects on children of divorce. So that's where it all kind of started and is rooted inside of me. Um, and the more I've been working on myself over the years, I, and especially this last year, I have had this itch, this, this thing pulling inside of me. And maybe you guys have had this feeling too about that you're supposed to do something or go somewhere or, or, you know, professionally or educationally or whatever it might be. But I've had this inside of me, like, not that I'm unhappy with the, the my daytime work at the hospital. I actually love that place. It's very fulfilling. It's very rewarding work. Um, I love what I get to do up there. Um, but it is not, I have come to realize over the last year, definitely the last six months, that's not my calling. That's not my purpose. That's not my passion. Um, it's the work I get to do with individuals and especially couples before and after I do, you know, that premarital work and then that marital strengthening. That's where I, that's where I want to be. That's what makes me come alive. Um, so I made a decision that I was going to leave the hospital, quit that place and then build my private practice up, which I've had for about five years. Um, I had it full time at one point and then I left it I took it part-time and I went up to the hospital. I did some other things in between there, but kind of as this safety measure, you know, that's a salaried position and you get paid time off and you've got sick leave and, um, you know, pretty predictable as far as all of that stuff. Um, but, but missing something still. So I did it last week. I put in my notice last week. I've got a few months though. I've got some things to wrap up and, and do there, but then it's all in on the practice and I'm not just going to focus all of it on, on myself. I'm going to expand it and build it and build this into a group practice. And I'm going to bring on some clinicians who do some different things and, and really try to be a positive light and place in the community for people to come here for a variety of issues and concerns and goals that they have. And not just with myself, with some qualified and um, competent professionals. So I am in the process now to build this up and make it happen. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm a bit fearful as well. There's some hesitation in, you know what? No, there's not. There's not hesitation. There's not hesitation. But there is some fear and there is some... There's some, there's some self-doubt we all get to deal with, and, I, and I'm no different. So there's this part of me that's like, you know, this, this is a big deal. This is your family. I have three kids. I have a wife. I have, you know, we all, got, we all have that story. We all have that side of us. And this is a risk. This comes with the possibility of um, you might fail. This might not go the way you think it's going to go. You've got this great big vision and, and how it's all going to unfold. And it may not happen at all the way you think it is. And then what? Um, and I have an answer to those, by the way, 
because I have really been thoughtful about how I'm doing this, why I'm doing this, um, how I'm approaching it. And you know what? I'm ready for some failure. I invite it actually. And so today that's what we're going to talk about. I did, um, I did a poll on Instagram this week. If you're not already following me, get over there. Greatest day mindset on Instagram. Um, so I did, I did a poll and I'm going to read it just the way. Oh, it's gone. Never mind. Nope. There it is. Do you ever avoid doing something out of fear of failure, rejection, or judgment from others? And this was probably one of my most engaged polls to date. <clears throat> and it was 96% of people said yes. They have avoided doing something out of fear of hearing the word no or being rejected or failing at it. 96% of people said yes. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And my hope is that we can address this topic and give some, you know, give some good, helpful, applicable input for you so that you can step into and through the fears that you have. So I've heard two, two things about fear. One is face everything and run or face everything and rise. I'm more of a riser. I want to face everything and I want to rise through it, above it, with it. I want, I want all of that stuff. And it's very uncomfortable. And I lived a lot of years of my life fearing rejection. I still have that fear, actually. Um, fear, fearing judgment from others. Um, and it's paralyzing, to be honest. And, I, and uh, according to you guys, at least on Instagram, 96% of you, continue to have that. And you know what? I think we're always go going to have that. I think we're always going to have that, that thing inside of us that, you know, maybe we do avoid something. And if we took this into like relate the relationship realm, I think partners, well, I know they do because <clears throat> they tell me, but partners will, will not pursue each other. One person will not pursue the other um, whether it's, you know, a deep conversation they have to have, whether it's some news they have to share from work that day or something about finances or pursuing their partner sexually, they, they won't do these things because they fear rejection. So it's in your marriage, it's in your career, it's in your life. This is a part of just how, what, what happens in life. But I want to give you some, some real tools to get through this because it's always going to be there, but let's get some things that will help us. So I've got some, I recently heard about this. Um, my friend, Nate Bagley, on his podcast, he talked about Gia Jang, um, this guy. So he, he wanted to get comfortable with hearing the word no or getting rejected because he, he, he left his, just like this, he left his job. And this is so many people, this is common with so many people, you know, taking this leap into this next phase of life, but he did it. So he steps into this leap and he goes out and he proposes his, whatever it is he has. I don't know the exact details on this, but, um, he proposes it and it gets rejected. 
And it took him all the way back to when he was six years old and he was rejected in, in grade school for, for something that he did then. And he was ready to quit and give up. And his wife encouraged him, you know, you got to, you still got time to do this. We agreed you had a certain amount of time to go after this dream of yours. So get back out there and do it. So his, he started with the goal in his mind was I have to get rid of this fear of no and rejection. And so he went, he, he went after this 100 days of rejection. Um, and he went into the world with the goal, the primary goal of hearing the word no and getting rejected as many times as he possibly could so that he could just get comfortable with the rejection problem. Um, and so for 100 days, he went after it. And he would go and ask people random things like, um, hey, give me a high five. And some people would give him a high five and some people would look at him and run away. And other people probably said some choice words to him. Um, but then he would go to the next person and he would ask something, you know, pretty simple. Um, I think he went into, I'm reading it right now. Yeah. So that he goes into a donut shop and, and asks if he can get donuts made in the shape of the Olympic rings. Um, Nate shared this on his podcast as well. Same example, but um, and what started to happen is that people started to say yes a lot more often than he thought they would. So his goal was to go out and get rejected as much as possible. And he started to find that people were saying yes. Uh, here's another example on, I'm just reading about him. Um, one of the rejection prompts was to ask a stranger to play soccer alone in his backyard. And the stranger actually said yes to him. Um, the following day, a police officer agreed to let him drive his car. Like, come on, how many, like someone, we're going to go up to a cop and say, can I drive your car? How many times are they going to say no? Um, well, this one said yes. Someone let him like, or gave him, you know, pilot lessons or let him fly his plane. So he went after all these no's and then he started to find people were more open than he, than he thought they would. So what a, an amazing experience and lesson. And so he got a few things out of that, which was rejection is really a numbers game. So every, every 10 people you ask the same question, he eventually would find a certain number would say yes. So 10 people give me a high five. You know, it's a numbers game. Eventually someone is going to say yes. And he'd get, you know, if it's one out of 10, he got one out of 10. Um, Jim Rohn, who I've talked about Jim Rohn before. He's also a motivational speaker and, and, and trainer in like the sales field and stuff. He's, he's deceased, but, um, I've listened to a lot of his stuff and he said the same thing about rejection and numbers as a salesman. He said, I can, if you can get three out of 10 sales and I can get one out of 10 sales, I can still beat you by the end of the month. And he said, because it's a numbers game, he just went out five times as much as the other person. So if that one, salesman A is going out 10 times and he's worked his craft to get three out of 10 sales, which is pretty high actually, um, Jim, he knew he just had to go out. He was a one out of 10. He knew he just had to go out 50 times. So if person A goes out 10 and gets three, Jim goes out 50 and gets five, he wins. So it's a numbers game. How many no's can you get before you finally get that yes? 
Um, and the biggest thing about this game of rejection that Jang found was that it says a lot more about the rejector than it does about the rejected. So you guys, when we're getting told no and we're failing at things um, and it involves others, it's, it's likely more about them than it is about us. Like there's things we can control in our effort and our preparation, but even then it's a numbers game still going to get rejected at times, no matter what. So let me tell you about some, <clears throat> some people that you may or may not know about, but they're pretty well known for their failures. The idea, keep in mind, remember the idea is we want to get comfortable. I want to help you guys become more comfortable with this idea of failing failing forward. You've got, if you want to succeed, you have to go through failures. It's a, it's a prerequisite. You have to Sarah Blakely. You may not know some of these names, but I'll tell you what they're known for. Um, and maybe you do know her probably more. So if you're a woman, she's the creator of Spanx, that whole suck in your gut, make it look flat and tight. And there's more uses than that. But anyway, Spanx. So probably my, I need to start doing this again. I've done this before, but her dad, this is, this is powerful in my mind. Her dad would encourage failure to his kids, <clears throat> including Sarah. One of their dinners during the week, dad would ask, what have you failed at this week? And they would celebrate and talk about the failures. And if they didn't have one, Sarah shared, um, I think I heard her on a podcast a while ago, but she shared that she would feel kind of bad, like, like incomplete if she didn't have a failure to report back on. So what she did about it was she just kept trying new things all the time. Because unless she was trying and making an effort, she was losing the opportunity to fail. And so she wanted to create the failure, so she just kept trying more and more things. And there you go. That was dad's purpose. That, that's the whole lesson. The numbers game again. <clears throat> the more we're trying and we're seeking failure, we're going to succeed. So maybe the, maybe the real lesson is go after the failure, which it is. Walt Disney fired from his newspaper job for lacking creativity. Well, we know how that went. J.K. Rowling, welfare, divorced, poor. And there she is one day writing an idea for a book down on a napkin. Um, and that book being Harry Potter, of course. So she's got this idea. She jots it down. She creates the book from it. And then she takes the book and it gets rejected by 12 different publishers. Um, Harry Potter has sold 500 million copies and her net worth is now over $650 million. Okay. So these are extreme stories I'm sharing, but you know what? These are everyday people, a welfare and divorced woman writing down a bright idea for a book on a napkin. You guys, this is us. This is me and this is you. Um, you just kind of step in and take action. She probably was in a place of having nothing left to lose. And that's where she went. James Dyson, you know, the word Dyson, you know what that's all about. He wanted to create a bagless vacuum, which was unheard of back then. And he did after 5,126 failed design attempts, he finally got it. 
So now he's got this, um, he's got these plans of a vacuum, a bagless vacuum that actually works. And then it got rejected over and over and over by manufacturers. Um, Nick Woodman, I did not know this name before I started researching this topic. Nick Woodman, and maybe you'll know his name if I tell you these companies. Empower All. You ever heard of that company? Funbug. Know anything about that? These are gaming and electronic companies. And they failed miserably, which is why nobody knew his name for those reasons. But how about the GoPro? You've heard of a GoPro? This is Nick Woodman. He was a surfer and he was traveling the world surfing and and did not like the fact that he couldn't get any of his um, action on camera. So he created the GoPro. 30 million cameras sold worldwide. He's worth 990 million. And his quote, <clears throat> I found a quote from him which I love and I'm going to share with you. When I have a difficult decision to make, I imagine myself as a 90-year-old guy looking back on his life. I imagine that I'll think about I imagine what I'll think about to myself and it makes it really easy to go for things knowing that I'll only regret that I wimped out. So he's using, and I've talked about this before too, future regrets as fuel. Use your future regrets to push you through some of these fears of failure and rejection and hearing the word no. Like you hear the word no, like so what? You want to you wanna go to the grave knowing that you did not try it? Oprah, Steven Spielberg, Michael Jordan, Colonel Sanders, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was told that he was stupid. You guys, someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. Thank goodness Thomas Edison didn't listen to that person and conform and let that become his, ID, his identity that he was stupid. He kept going. And greatest inventor of all time. Okay, someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. You guys need to know that, feel it, and let that drive you. When some haters or naysayers or bullies or whoever it is you know, the next job you lose or the next marriage, you know, your relationship that you're in doesn't work out. That's okay. This is not your identity. Dr. Seuss, um, another one of my favorite stories. Um, his example, he was rejected by 27 publishers. And if I remember it right, after the 27th rejection, he said he's done. He's given up. And so on his walk home down Madison Avenue, if I remember it right, he ran into his old college friend. And that friend asking, you know, what's up? Where are you going? He said, oh, I got this manuscript. It's been rejected over and over. I'm on my way home. I'm burning it. We're, I'm done. No more. And his friend said, I just today, I just, I just made the editor of the children's books at the place he was working that morning. So he invited Dr. Seuss back to, um, back to the building, back to his office. They looked at it, they put it in print, they got it going. And now Dr. Seuss, who has been gone for a while, he still, his books still sell 11,000 copies a day. And he's over 600 million prints worldwide that people have purchased. And he even, he was quoted saying, um, I would be 
I would be in the dry cleaning business today if I chose to walk on the other side of the street. Pretty amazing stuff. So just as you're about to give up on whatever goal, dream, whatever it is you're pursuing, you guys take one more step. So here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to take another step. I want you to think about fear and what it does. Um, it paralyzes. Fear paralyzes action and it shuts down your brain. Like there's actual physical manifestations of this. You felt it. You have felt it. Like you, you can't think straight. You feel the tightness in your chest. Um, this is the valve, you know, your heart valve constricting, not letting blood flow through your, you know, through your body. That's why you're getting tingly. That's what the panic and the anxiety feels like. Um, and so there's ways to get through this, but your thoughts, they're producing this anxiety and we've bought in and we believe the lies that anxiety is telling us. Anxiety is a liar. It wants you to believe, um, I hate spiders by the way. So this is my example. It wants you to believe or me to believe that dark spot up in the corner of the wall of your room, that it's a giant man eating spider and it's not. Um, the day I finally got brave enough to get a broom and like stab at it, um, I, I realized it was just a shadow. <clears throat> That's only partially true. But you get what I'm saying. Anxiety is lying to us. It's telling us that the worst case scenarios are going to be true and that we're all going to die from it and you know, on and on and on. So we've got to stop. We've got to stop the thoughts and, um, and change the direction of them. So understanding that fear paralyzes action and shuts down your brain, the awareness is great. We need to know that so that we can outthink it. Number two, uh, you know, another thing you can do too, I guess we're labeling them. Visualize. Visualization is one of the greatest tools that we can use along with breathing, um, and, you know, getting control of our body and our minds because visualization, you can do it anywhere. So I want you to visualize when you guys have these moments, I want you to visualize not being afraid because things happen twice. The first time it happens is in our head. We create it in our minds and then we create it in reality. We act it out. So if we can begin to change the way we first experience it in our minds, eventually our bodies are going to follow that narrative that we created in our visualization. And we're going to make that our new reality. So visualization, you guys, you need to start practicing, visualizing you succeeding, visualizing that you're not afraid of that thing, visualizing um, how you're going to respond effectively to rejection. So what? So it does happen. Visualize your rebound. He or she shuts you down. Visualize you coming back or coping well. Um, Brian Tracy, a great author, uh, he he writes about being product. He writes about a ton of things, but productivity and efficiency and in the sales world as well. But he says, do the hard things first. Do the hardest thing first at right out of the gate, and everything gets a little bit easier after that. Eat that frog, one of his books. If you have to eat frogs, frogs being your problems or dilemmas or tasks of the day, if you have to eat frogs, choose the ugliest and biggest one first because after that, it's like it's nothing. It's nothing. Or at least it's not as bad. It's still going to be something. But 
they're still frogs. But you get that that giant, ugly, wart-covered one out of the way, the rest of your day is going, going to seem a little bit easier. So do the hard things first and do them often. Um, I don't know if we're still numbering things, but on my paper it is. So number four, deal with the fears directly. Let's attack these things quickly and directly. And then remember, I want you guys to remember all the times that you have successfully done it. Whatever that thing is, like you, whatever your fear is, whatever that thing you're, you're afraid of failing at or being rejected at, I want you to think back to something similar that you have feared before and what was the outcome? Did you face it? Did you, come, did you succeed at it? Because a lot of times we've got things that we've conquered in the past, we just have to remind ourselves. Anxiety won't let us rem- remember that. But if we can get rational in our frontal lobes and really think about some of these things, when did you conquer this similar fear or these emotions? When did you overcome these emotions um, and work through them? And I think there's a lot of evidence that we have done difficult things and that we are just fine. Um, and even then, like maybe you didn't overcome it. How realistic is your worst case scenario? How realistic is it that will come to reality? Um, let, let's say that that dark spot in the corner of the room is a giant spider. It is. My fears are correct. What's the, how realistic, realistic is it that my worst case scenario, which is it's a man-eating spider and I'm going to die, how realistic is that if we really think it through? That's not realistic. <clears throat> it's not going to eat me and I'm not going to die. And in fact, if it started crawling at me, getting sick talking about this, by the way, I really do hate spiders. Even if it did start charging after me, um, I'm a giant man. I can step on it. Like if I really slow down and think about these things, we can, we can work ourselves through them. So, but even if all of it comes true, all of the fears, all like we did get rejected. We did hear the word. No, we did get turned down. We did fail. We did get lose a job. Our spouse did leave us. All these biggest fears do come true. I want to challenge you to begin thinking about it in a way that you tell yourself why this may actually be a positive thing. How the worst day of your life was actually the best day of your life. How these tragedies or these things that happened to you actually put you on a path of healing and helping others or overcoming other things in your life that you wouldn't have because of it. Like there's something about your life that is a blessing now because of something else that you went through that you thought was the end of the world. And then lastly, um, I mentioned it before, but I want to add some other things to it, is do hard things daily. Welcome the discomfort. I, I journaled the other day um, in the Focus Journal, and one of the things that it said, what are you grateful for? I shared this on my Instagram story too, but one thing you're grateful for, I put one word, I put discomfort. I'm grateful for discomfort. So we need to do hard things daily to welcome the discomfort. We need to step into that moment because once we do and we realize we can get through it, we gain so much mental and physical power. So things that I'm doing right now that I'm going to encourage you to do because it's been shown and proven to help build up our mental strength and 
to be less, uh, I don't know if sensitive is the right word, but um, less impacted by these fears of failure and rejection and, and hearing the word no. Take a cold shower. Take a cold shower daily or a few times a week. Step into that frigid cold water and, and for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, step into it. You, your brain will want to, your body will want to pull away very quickly. But if you can get control and, and power over your mental side, the mind, your mindset, um, you prove to yourself that you can do hard things. And there's an amazing life-giving energy that comes from the cold shower, by the way. Practice deep breathing. Again, getting control and this awareness and this, um, this relationship between your mind and your body. That's why meditation is so effective. Begin daily gratitude. If you don't have a gratitude practice, you got to have a gratitude practice. Anybody following me or know anything about me for any amount of time, know you know. This is a huge part of my practice, uh, my mindset, my philosophy. I preach this thing all day, every day to everyone. Gratitude changes the way you think. And a daily gratitude practice over time, it begins to shift on a cellular level. This is changing your mind cellularly. In, in your brain, you're actually having waves, brain waves change and neuropathways change that you will begin to look at everything in a different light. Everything begins to look a little brighter. You find the good in things that you didn't used to find good in. You search for the good. You hunt for the good of the day when maybe that's not your normal thing. So even when you hear no or you're rejected or you fail at something, your mind automatically, because you've trained it that way through a gratitude practice, your mind will begin to find the good. It'll find the good in it. Oh, I got a flat tire. You know, oh, that's all right. I, uh, you know, I haven't changed one for a while or my son's with me. I can teach him. They're, like there's good in everything. You can find it. Um, but it begins with a daily practice. So if you haven't done that already, begin three things every day. What am I grateful for today? And then lastly is seek failure often. This is repetitive. I've said it already. <clears throat> but if you want to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, and eliminate the fear of failure, you've got to step into it um, a lot more frequently and welcome it. I, not jokingly, I remember um, multiple clients that I've worked with over the years. And some of you, if you're listening, you'll remember, you can vouch for me that this is true. I have encouraged clients to get out there and fail. Like Sarah Blakely's dad. Get out there and fail. Create some failures this week. Come back next week. Let's talk about them. How did you fail? Um, I remember an individual I worked with um, regarding dating and relationships, and I told him, um, go go get turned down five times this week. Before you come back next week and we talk about anything else, I need you to go out and get um, ask a girl out and get rejected five times. Uh, and he did. Well, I think maybe three. I don't remember. But he did. He went out and he got rejected and he was pretty discouraged. Uh, but then we did it the next week again. And his discouragement started to go away uh, because he got himself some dates over time. 
And so that's what it's all about is getting in the arena, taking some steps forward, putting yourself into uncomfortable positions, seeking failure and no and rejection, and then finding that more people will say yes and accept you than reject you. It's a numbers game. So hopefully this was helpful to you guys today as I share a little bit about my where I'm at in just my career and professionally and just what I'm doing personally. Um, and that we all face that. We all face that, those regular thoughts of, you know, that discomfort is not good and we fear rejection. So I'll end with this. This was on my Instagram post. Don't fear the word no, but be afraid of the possibility of a yes that you prematurely destroyed because you decided to quit or not even begin. You guys get in there, make something happen. Welcome the discomfort, welcome the pain, welcome the failures um, because it just means you're out there trying and then you readjust as many times as you need and you go after it again. Um, but if nothing else, you get out there and make today the greatest day of your life. Thanks guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the greatest day podcast. Hopefully the information given today will help each of you as you continue to improve your life, stay present and make each day better than the last. As always, please take a minute and share this episode or this podcast with someone that you think would benefit and hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and let's continue to spread the greatest day mindset to as many people as we can. I appreciate each of you once again. We'll see you on the next episode. And as always, make today the greatest day of your life.